I have one of the greatest jobs in the planet. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now. Everything is so disorienting in terms of time with that little interruption we've called a pandemic. Um, but prior to the pandemic, I was in South Africa. That's how cool my job is. Um, and I was speaking to a variety of business professionals down in South Africa, had some amazing times in the African bush, um, got to see some of the the kind of temporary housing uh, villages in South Africa. It was really quite an illuminating experience. Of all of the joys of South Africa, one of the greatest of all was that I got to meet today's guest. She is an expert in customer experience, has been doing it for a long time, has been making organizations more effective in the way they create success for the customers that they serve. So she creates customer success for her customers, so they can create customer success for theirs. She is the one and only, the legendary, the 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 hero of mine, Samantha Burns. Good to see you, Samantha. How are you? In Good South to Africa? see you, Joseph. Very well, very well. Hope you're well too. We're kind of in a late hour here in order for you to do our live stream in regular sequence. So thanks for uh, sticking around into the evening for this. Great, more than happy. All right, so let's talk about, you know, I, I teed you up as the great Samantha Burns. So let's talk a little bit about your journey, kind of how you got to where you are in this company of yours, a Brilliant CX, and, and how, how did we get here? Uh, kind of the short version, we only have an hour, so just give me the highlights. Very short version, really. I, I started out in, in my career in, in recruitment, actually, and then from there went into public relations, and then... I was a, a, approached by a company to say, oh, we, we really need your public relations skills. Um, we do something, we need something similar. Um, it just turned out it was nothing similar at all. It was that they really needed someone to manage their customer retention. And it's uh, a different approach to, to what PR is about. But I, I absolutely fell in love with the customer from that point on. So being in, involved in, in customer-focused work for over 25 years, uh, did my MBA in customer loyalty, uh, communication, psychology. So that mix I was able to apply into numerous organizations that I worked for and um, had such pleasure and being able to help companies succeed for their customers. Uh, well, let's be honest, you went into one of the harder areas to do it in, right? You did it in a highly regulated world. You did a lot of your work in a mm -hmm. highly regulated world. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. What is the question, right? And in, in most customer experience minds, yeah. the answer is yes. So, so help me understand kind of how did you, what, what did you do in the banking sphere and maintain some kind of of effect on helping people elevate customer experiences as opposed to restrict them. Yeah, yeah. So I think the the, the amazing focus in terms of the regulated environment was because there was such an emphasis on the customer outcomes, uh, which to me is 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 actually not opposed to focusing on the customer. It, it's trying to drive organizations in financial services to to do more for their customers. So, and to really look at the outcomes 
for what what the customer is experiencing, not just what they are trying to offer the customers. So it's it was actually that that landed in my lap because I had such opportunity to to help companies from a cultural perspective, from a values perspective, from a, a process. Uh, strategy, operations, HR, all of those elements to to drive a a um, not only customer focus but uh, an ethic that says we want to do what's good and right for customers and um, make sure that we are fair and transparent and honest in the process. Well, I love that. I think that's a great point to be said. I mean, if you don't keep people safe and if you don't do yeah. things kind of in an organized way you can really hurt customers. Uh, so this notion that just being regulated doesn't necessarily mean uh, de facto that you're not ethical and responsible in the way you manage customers. No, 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 customers. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So here's um, the thing that I think is the secret sauce, because I, uh, you know, I, I, you, you're a speaker, you're a coach, you do a lot of the other things that many of us in this space do. But the one thing you do that I think differentiates you from most all of the others who are in this industry is that you then really started to think about, particularly for small and mid-sized businesses, what were some of the things that they were missing from an infrastructure perspective that larger clients had? So when I go and work with Fortune 500 companies, they have these very robust technology suites that help them manage customer complaints or deal with all kinds of different concerns of the customer, customer relationship management databases that are really <laughs> elegant. Um, and escalation models, all kinds of stuff. But but the average person that I work with, and I don't work with that many in the small and medium market, but the, when I do, they're like clueless and or overmatched with the technology. So the cool part of you is that you figured out how to actually create tools for them, even though most of folks like me are not technologists, you somehow pulled this off. So let, let's figure out how you did that and what are some of the things that you have created as part of your technology toolkit to supplement your your guidance on elevating customer success. Yeah, thank you. It, that it started several years ago. Oh gosh, let me say more like twenty years ago. Where um, in, in trying to retain corporate corporate clients, we recognised that they needed more management information. And with that management information, they were able to get a, a, a better perspective as to what that company really was doing for them. Um, and that started my venture into uh, information technology, enhancing systems to be able to provide them with that type of data, that insight into what was going on in their client company, because the, the host company had that data about them. So um, from there, I just, I think my fascination with systems is really because I, I, I enjoy the design of creating something that meets a particular client need. Um, so whether it's a process design, a policy design, a, uh, a, a designing, you know, a, a communications campaign, but the systems design really um, cottoned on pretty well simply because I was able to meet very real needs um, and do so as software as a service. So clients then um, didn't need to buy the software themselves. They simply subscribed online. So whether it was one user or hundreds of users, um, it, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as they, you know, they had a need relating to, to customers 
and specifically what I focus on is the complaints management, customer feedback, and also more the operational elements such as the um, the continuous improvement. All right, so, so they, let's, let's go with let's go with that a bit. So yeah. I mean, I literally have clients, uh, and I say I don't work with any small and mid-sized clients, but when I do, I have clients who have had nothing more than an Excel spreadsheet where there someone is manually encoding customer complaints and the ability to track and really know how they were resolved and have any kind of dashboard that you can use to make decisions about whether we're improving or getting worse, it's just not there. And, and that's kind of the space you stepped into. So maybe you can talk a little bit about, let's just stay with customer complaint management, for example. Um, sure. What kinds of solutions are available for small and mid-sized business owners who say, I really wanna get my arms around leveraging complaints and making our company better as a result of them and turning those complainers into raving fans. Yeah, so the the, the systems that we've got are uh, really three that speak to that. One is a is a very simple complaints reporting tool, which is more for the smaller smaller entities or someone who, who just needs a, a user or two. Um, then we have the complaints or the customer feedback tool, which incorporates both complaints and compliments so that you can track how many complaints you're actually converting into compliments or um, other compliments that you're getting anyway that you're wanting to track as a, as a holistic feedback mechanism. And that then also incorporates your um, uh, other features such as escalations, um, special reminders that need to go out and so on. And then the third tool, which some companies take in tandem, is a, a conduct improvement tool. So it's how to improve the ongoing business because of issues that you've picked up from complaints. Um, simply because complaints doesn't isn't just a case of solving a problem for that particular customer. It's about understanding that there's there's ongoing th that the complaint is revealing an issue that potentially is uh, not working as well as it should for the organization. So either they need to improve something or innovate um, in a better way for their products or customers. So um, this tool can, can help them keep a track of that. Um, so I'm gonna take a real quick pause just to engage people in the live stream. If you're joining us on LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube today, um, I would love to have you joining in the conversation. If for example, you know a company that does a really good job of taking care of complaints. You've tendered a complaint, you felt like they managed it really effectively and you suspect they must have a pretty robust set of tools behind that that enables them to do that, at least given how effectively they did it for you. Or maybe you can talk about your own organization or any company that you've worked with where either you've effectively done it or you said, boy, we just couldn't quite leverage that as a gold mine of, of process improvement for the customer value. So if you have any comments on that, please throw them in the comment section uh, in the chat. So let me let me go back and take them really slowly with you if you don't mind. I wanna, I wanna kind of just become super wonky about this. Um, complaints reporting. This is just yeah. getting the data on complaints, right? I mean, that's-, that's mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, 
it also you can't report on any complaints if you haven't captured sufficient data and that the capturing of that data if it's not done consistently across different people who are handling different complaints or different business areas or even different third parties if you're you're using third parties to to capture that feedback um, so uh, an online tool really helps to do that because it, it it brings in some level of consistency based on uh, predetermined categorization of different types of complaints and automatic mapping behind the scenes of how that complaint actually falls into a another like meta category. So um, that then enables more effective reporting along with the standard stuff such as the turnaround time of complaints um uh the, the 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 not only the nature of the complaint but the product that was associated with that complaint um escalations or or um the process that that complaint followed that you had to forward it to to various different people um the um yeah so i was just going to say you, know, if you are a small or medium-sized business owner and you don't have a system for this, let me tell you what you're up against. Because having worked with companies like Mercedes-Benz, when they would launch a new product uh, in the United States, for example, they would have such a robust complaint reporting tool. Sealers could let the manufacturer know if what, what complaints were happening out in the field on a given day. They had robust social listening tools that could determine what was being talked about, about pain points or nagging little uh, issues that customers were having at launch. And there were daily strike teams that were all about getting that in intelligence, immediately trying to tamp down those complaints before a raging fire started to go across social media on a new product launch. And if you're not poised to be able to do that in a small basis, you really are losing out. Let me bring in, uh, let me bring in the voice of somebody who's uh, oops, sharing comments with us today. The relationship really starts to hit the next level when there is a challenge, instead of saying one will help you, um, uh, you you know can actually help. Uh, we have bingo. All right, so I think the message Joe's getting at here is that if you are able to take that information and really leverage that feedback effectively, it is a game changer. Which kind of probably takes yeah. it a little over to how do you go from a complaints reporting system to an overall customer feedback tool? Maybe you can can jump in a little on that. Sure. I think it's it's also it goes beyond the system in that there's there's the, the tools that can help customers with comp, uh, companies handle complaints, such as a customer feedback tool, customer feedback tool, and the complaints reporting tool. But there's the the full process in terms of the the accessibility of the agents, the in, inspiration, the motivation of the agents who are handling the complaints, the energy of of those agents. Um, then there's the the back end part of once one has handled the complaint, how does one analyze that information to then be able to improve ongoing issues within the company and then give feedback back to customers who've been so helpful to be able to give the information their feedback in the first place. So I think that it's that bingo is really that full cycle loop um, where the, the company is not only handling an individual complaint, but they are dealing with constant improvement within the organization um, based on that that valuable customer feedback.
So I have to share this comment with you because I think the person who's sharing it with you is actually talking about something you wouldn't mind doing, which is taking a flight maybe yes. from, reverse direction from Johannesburg to London. I think that might not, might not be a bad trip for you. But uh, Vasca said that Virgin Atlantic on a flight from the other direction, London to Johannesburg, uh, Jayberg, uh, went uh, and they had a meal issue. Uh, they didn't have what she selected and they did everything to offer me a higher quality meal. Instead, they also promised to arrange for my meal on the return flight too. I felt very special and appreciated as a customer. This is a case where, where the complaint wasn't necessarily even lodged by the customer, but the system was capable of tracking a variation, right? Uh, at, yeah. at Chris Carlton, yeah. we used to call them Mr. Bibbs. So these were kind of mistakes, reworks, you know, kind of with inefficient, uh, you know, breakdowns, variations. Uh, and so it is this need to take feedback, sometimes not even from the customer, maybe from a team member who's observing <laughs> an experience a customer had. Is that something that, that you see in some of the other tools that you've created, the ability to not only capture customer voice, but other stakeholders' voices that give you insight sure. to the customer? Yeah, experience? yeah. So, um, it, if a company wishes to, they can use a tool not only for customer feedback, but employee feedback. So employees can comment um, on, on issues that the company is doing that may then impact on the customers, as well as uh, third party feedback. So if you're dealing, if you distribute your products through brokers or through um, franchises, they can give feedback through through the tool. But uh, I just need to comment on that Virgin Atlantic experience. I had the same thing um, and I was blown away the way they, they, they literally gave me a first class meal. So they brought all the silver cutlery and oh, not quite silver, but you know, not the plastic stuff. And the, the, the service recovery is, is really part of, of dealing with any complaint or anything that could potentially become a complaint if you don't handle it well. Um, and so having the, the, the systems available to, to prompt that or, or simply just the training and the, the, the management support to that people then can go the extra mile, can use their discretion, can go and get that meal and not get into trouble. Um, that just uh, makes such a difference in terms of recovering the need and, and it taps into the emotional issue um, when a customer is experiencing a complaint, it is such an opportunity to 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 seize that that high emotion opportunity and convert them from potentially being a a, um, a terrorist to to an advocate. Um, the, the, I mean, I just love. All right, so me, how, how dare you back? How dare you back into where I was going to go next? I mean, you're. <laughs> Just wait a minute. But, but I think, you know, there, there's several things you just said, and I'd like to unpack them and not let them just skim by. First off, the technology is important to get a grasp on what is and be able to manage it at scale. To me, that is really like the, you know, the holy grail that a lot of people don't have. So having technologies like the ones you've developed for small and mid-sized businesses, that in addition, though, to having people who can take the data and close Must. the loop and actually sees opportunities. And, and one of the things I, you know, I also heard in there was emotion is memory, right? Like a positive emotion is memorable, a negative emotion is memorable. And if emotion is memorable, and if the negative emotion is sitting out on the table and somebody just gave that to you to say, do you wanna leave me in this anguish or pain? And you then can't hear it, 
see it or act on it, then you've taken away a lot of real power in your organization. And that's where, in addition to your tools, you do a lot of coaching development on what it takes to use the data in a way that drives organizational change and customer complaint management. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also not only use the data, but handle the the, the incident at real time. So how does uh, an agent then have the 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 skills, the authority, the discretion, the uh, wherewithal, the, the emotional strength themselves to be able to handle complaints that are um, already such high emotion issues? Generally, people are, are frustrated, angry, um, and or severely disappointed when they're making a complaint. So that emotional connection, and I strongly, strongly believe that complaints need to be handled human to human um, versus chat box. Great, they have their place. Social media, you know, the, the other tools have their place. But if you don't have that human connection when it comes to a complaint, you, you're going to miss that opportunity to to really um, connect with them at, a, at an empathetic level that they need. Um, it's, it's just a straightforward human need when it comes to any any type of complaint. So um, bottom line is that they um, that the skills that the employees need to be able to handle that level of emotion and rectify the issue, make the customer feel that um, they're supported, that you're advocating on their behalf to resolve the issue, um, that, that is incredibly valuable. And so often I see companies just not investing well enough in the right people um, or, or giving them sufficient support to be able to, to do that for their customers. Um, handling complaints is not just the same as handling any queries. Um, so I, I strongly encourage both the systems and the people element. Uh, let, let me say, much more fun to handle inquiries. I mean, right, and many organizations invest a lot of money in their customer relationship management database as it relates to inquiries, sales funnel, you know, they, mm -hmm. they really invest in how do we convert how do we track them until we get their money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this other side of the house is often viewed as a cost center. You know, sure. uh, I'm paying money to put out fires that customers, you know, are having, and I'm not getting any money for putting out the fire, right? And so it, it does take a fairly erudite leader to realize that the more fires we have after we sell things to people, the harder it is to sell things to people. And, and the investment in this, I mean, I look at someplace like Zappos where, you know, having worked with Tony Shea all those years, I mean, he really saw the customer loyalty team as he would refer to this team as far more valuable to the organization than any other part of the organization. That, that ability to respond to the ongoing wants, needs and desires of customers long after they made a purchase. Talk to me a little bit about your philosophy of kind of dealing with customer complaints in terms of its financial benefits to an organization. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a huge believer in it, as you can just imagine. But it's, it's primarily because of, of research-backed views in that a complaint, a effective complaints management has been shown to improve customer retention anywhere in the region of 49 to 79%. So, I mean, you just round that up a little bit to get a round number, somewhere between 50 and 80% almost. I mean, that's, that's not small. 
Um, and if one, but the, it requires an investment in that that customer loyalty team. I love that term. Um, if if a company is willing to do that, and that the power of of well handled complaints to enable customers to to become advocates is far more effective than advertising spend. So the simply because people are going to be or, uh, they speak about those emotional experiences, as you know. So, you know, I told you you were my hero, but I think I'm adding George Botha to my list of heroes. Uh, George, George just jumped in in the conversation and said, and I think this is brilliance beyond brilliance, George. Don't don't ever join the show again because you'll keep making us look bad. So just saying. Uh, the measure I use between a query and a complaint is not if the customer is right or wrong, but rather if the customer believes he is treated unfairly. Any complaint or query I receive is an opportunity to learn. So, uh, yes. Uh, I'll take that. You can join this show anytime, George. Uh, that was just flat out crazy good. Um, yeah, it's not right or wrong. You know, I, I I think there's that that line that you know the customer is always right. I'm trying to remember. You know, it was several people have been described to have it, whether it was Cesar Ritz or whomever. Uh, you know, I ultimately don't think that's true. I think customers are often wrong, but they're always the customer, right? The issue is, did they leave the interaction whole or not? Um, and, you know, a complaint, not every complaint, you and I know, not every complaint is actual fact, right? It's a perception. And perception is a pretty strong fact in the marketplace. So I'd like to get your take on it because I do have people who say, I don't really care about complaints because, you know, I really don't think that they're an indicator of reality. I, you know, I'm looking at other indicators. It's, give me a little bit about your sense of what complaints mean, factoring in all the subjective mm -hmm. elements therein. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I really believe they're a valuable indicator um, for several reasons. One, it's the customer's opinion and uh, companies often spend a great deal of money getting their customer's opinion on net promoter score, customer satisfaction score, um, customer you know, effort score. And, and meanwhile, they've got complaints data that is already telling them um, a, a fair amount about their, their customer experience, um, added to which to recognize that for every complaint, there are many that have not actually complained who had a complaint type experience. So stats range anywhere from 4% to 9% of people who actually would call for a complaint or deal want to have a deal, have, want to have their complaint dealt with, um, only four to nine percent of them actually bother to to raise their voice and and get it dealt with. So that means the, the complaint stats that you're getting are, are only a small reflection of what's actually going on. And then even when a complaint is unjustified, in other words, the, the, the customer has a, an opinion that um, is, is actually, you know, we, the company wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, there often is something the company could have done to have helped the customer avoid that in the first place. So uh, sometimes it's a case the customer complains, no, um, they didn't understand that that was the case, no one ever told me and so on. And meanwhile, it was communicated, it was in the brochure or, or you know, on the website and so on, but it wasn't clear enough or it yeah. wasn't highlighted specifically. So the, so the company can improve even though they were right uh, you know the the company is, is, has fulfilled their their so-called duty, but haven't hasn't gone the extra mile. I, I think it, there really is a, a need to say the hypothetical: might this be true? Right, <laughs> with every customer complaint, 
Uh, because mm -hmm. if you're wrong and, uh, about it not being true, it could be, you know, an Achilles heel for your organization. And if it isn't true, you, you should be able to discern that over time, right? I mean, there won't yeah. be enough signal there. It'll just be kind of noise in the system and you've got a kind of unique, quirky sort of issue on the part of it. But, but trackable, trending complaints are really the lifeblood of continuous improvement organizations, I think. So, sure. um, and, and I, th I think there's something beautiful about saying, we don't have this whole thing figured out yet, but we're on a journey, a tireless mm -hmm. journey. Uh, and mm -hmm. this is the, the source material that, that fuels us for that journey. So Hugely, hugely. Yeah. And also that on a complaint system, uh, I, I know ours does it, I'm sure many do, that you, that you need to be able to flag or indicate whether a complaint is classified as justified or not justified. So after having gone through the whole resolution process, dealt with the emotional issues that the customer, you know, you've got to look after the customer, keep them safe. But even after the issues resolved, was that justified or not? So that the system knows whether to, um, in which category to put it. Well, so I'm going to just put it to all of you. Are How certain are you? Because I, I just missed a moment ago, said so kind of assume that the complaint could really be legit. How certain are you that the system you're using is legit to help you really get insight into what is the the kind of root cause of the problem and what is the actionable items you can take away and does it enable you to deal with the immediate customer because i always think of two levels on complaints right like you got to mm -hmm. try to make the individual in front of you whole and then sure. there's the macro systemic improvement for future customers does your system do that and i i can assure you look I'm from the US, I tend to believe everything is better in the US than anywhere else in the world. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I, I try not to develop that jingoistic attitude, but it's kind of inherently built in. So I go to South Africa and I see something that's so remarkably spectacular and, and really a thinker in the field who's not only helping companies with their thought leadership, but developing tools and I keep saying small to midsize. You can slap me if you'd like, because it might be that <laughs> you see no, no, your no. business model as also addressing enterprise-wide uh, solutions. I just know that the gap that I see, at least in my part of the world, is small and mid-sized companies having tools that they can afford that give them actionable intelligence around customer complaints. And that's where I see your sweet spot in my part of the world. How do you view your brand? Is it is it all sizes of companies and scalable to all sizes? Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you, the small to mid size. Um, there are some larger companies, but I think large in your books is is like 10 times the size of large of, of, of what I see. So I, I'll stick with that, uh, small to mid size organizations. Um, or it really suits larger organizations when they have um, a distributed network. Um, so the in-house systems or, or their, um, you know, the fancy integrated systems that obviously work partic particularly well for a large organization, they um, are stuck behind their firewall. So it makes it harder for their third parties to capture information and have that feedback from through them directly onto their um, reports. So that's where it suits the larger organization. 
But also something to add in terms of um, the, the different areas of complaints. One, as you say, in terms of dealing with the individual who's right in front of you. Two, dealing with the, the data and analyzing that and seeing trends and patterns. And then there's a, a little um, gap that some people um, don't see. And that is not only um, dealing with systemic issues, but proactively dealing with other clients who potentially may be suffering the same problem. So it's, it's and, and I've been involved in teams working on that where we pick up from the system that there's potentially more customers who are suffering exactly the same problem that we proactively call them, deal with them. Um, it, it knocks their socks off. Um, it's almost like saying, we, we anticipate you might have a complaint. I, I'm just phoning to tell you we, we're honored, we're sorting it, and um, or, or that, that issue's gone away now, so don't worry. Yeah, that, you know, I, I feel bad because we're talking about sizes of companies and who we work with. I really have not thought probably well enough for the clients that probably do fit your size that I should be making a recommendation of these tools for. Let me give you an example. I, I work with a a restaurant chain in the South, and they have about 120 operating units, mostly independent franchise, franchisees who are running this business, uh, very few company-owned stores. Um, mm. It seems like that's the size company, right? Because in many, uh, and, and smaller, right? And smaller. Yep. Um, Easily. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because this yep. is not a company that has a complaint management system. A lot of this is done very manually. Uh, it also is very disenfranchised in terms of multiple units all over and all these different franchisees doing their own thing. That's where these tools are particularly effective. Is that right? Absolutely. I think also with larger organizations where they already have a complaints management system in place, I'm more than happy to help them improve what they've got. So I'm not here just to say, well, here's my system and that's if, you know, don't let's not talk if, if um, this doesn't suit you. It's I want to help them with their whole complaint management process. So whether that's helping them with their people or helping them improve the system they've got, or even coming up with a de bespoke development for them, um, it's it's about helping them achieve what they need to to help their customers succeed. So uh, it's not just. I love what you did because we've been talking about like your tool. Hmm. Like we're talking about a customer feedback tool or this, you know, product improvement tool. But what you just talked about was more than tools, right? Like the tools <laughs> as, as noted, but there is the need to use those tools more effectively or modify the tools that you have on the table so that you can effectively leverage the data you're getting from the mm -hmm. tools. So in mm -hmm. either case, I mean, I know your whole life has been about both creating the tools and creating the ability to use them. But what I'm hearing in terms of your solutions is, a, you have the tools that are customizable to a degree, but much of this is really quite, well, I think they're customizable to a large degree, but but you yeah. don't have to reinvent the wheel for these tools over and over again. And then you exactly. may end up finding yourself working with clients who have tools that uh, renovate or innovate in one way or another. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, in, in, in a you know, five minute window here, so I really want people to get why I should reach out to you uh, at your website, which I assume is the best way to have people connect with you at brilliantcx.com. Why should they go, you know, inquire of your services, have a conversation with you about their, their customer uh, feedback loop uh, and the way in which they're leveraging continuous improvement? 
I, I'd be really grateful if people reach out. That's fantastic. I'd love to help them. I think the the main reason why um, I think I'd really be well, the, the the essence of what I can offer them is one that I, I really believe in in doing what's best for customers. I really believe in in companies that uh, focus on their customer success will improve their success. Um, I, I really believe in being brilliant for customers. So if a companies improve their brilliance, the chances are they're going to improve their success. So, and I, I have had numerous uh, opportunities to work with clients where we improve their success, we improve their retention, we improve their uh, customer loyalty rates, um, we improve their, their, the way they handle complaints or the way that they roll out um, co conduct improvement initiatives. Uh, particularly those that are, are driven by regulatory pressures. So uh, the chief reasons I would I'd be more than delighted to hear from people who might want to reach out to me is if they're wanting to be brilliant for their customers, I'll help them. You know, I, I spend a lot of time helping brands kind of really identify the strengths of their brand. And uh, the word brilliance is brilliant. And let me explain what I mean by that. For me, brilliance carries two two connotations, right? It's the intellectual brilliance. Uh, uh, we have two intellectual phenomena. Um, and then if you go the next step up, which is it's bright, right? It's like in the sense of light. So the combination of intellectual brightness and illuminated brightness to me is just rock crazy cool about your branding. So just that's let's just, let's pretend I didn't tell anybody else that but you. But I really do think it's it's extraordinary, and, and I think a lot of other people could learn a lot there. Oh my gosh, look at this! Great minds think alike. I swear I did not steal her material. I swear I did not steal her material. All right, Bob, yeah. all right. So yeah. let me let me uh, let's make sure. just do one one more comment on on brilliance is is really um um my my heart is to help companies make their brilliance. So it's their brilliance for customers and to help that shine and to, to help um, that grow uh, for for their continued success. So it, it really is about their brilliance. All right. Well, speaking of that, let's let's see if you can answer this question. How do, how brilliant are you? How does a good company break the customer inertia that bad companies depend upon, especially when it comes to finance and investments? A while back, I was trying to explain and show how a client is being treated unfairly, but gets a shrug and a meh. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I, I think there's something about nudging customers to not accept mediocrity uh, there. I mean, how do you help cost customers raise their expectations, particularly if it's, they've been dumbed down from industry standards? I, I think that's what he's getting at. What's your, uh, what's your answer to that? Because that's kind of the inverse yeah. of feedback. It's like, how do we get them to mm. invest more and even maybe complaining more? Because mm -hmm, they just... Mm -hmm are so disheartened. I think in that case, you're dealing with a customer who is disinvested in the in the success of the firm where they, that they're dealing with. So they couldn't be bothered to complain as many customers are. It's just too much effort. It's like, you know, and often it's because that company hasn't made it easy for them to complain or they can't get hold of a human being um, or they um, don't feel valued when they're interacting with that firm. Um, so numerous reasons can can be affecting why that com that customer might not bother. The issue is how do you then make that customer bother enough 
to then switch. Um, now, most companies are worried about the opposite, that um, too many of their customers are switching even before uh, bothering to complain. Uh, so I think the trend is generally the opposite, that uh, customers just they, they switch very easily. Um, but in financial services, there is a stickiness and there is a problem where you have customers who are locked in. Um, because it's just too much hassle to, to get out or they can't get out because of some other r restriction, whether it be because of their employer that they're now stuck with that firm or because, you know, they've just been with them for such a long time. It's just, you know, better the devil they know than one that they, that, that they don't. Um, so that stickiness is a problem in terms of ever raising that customer into a loyalty state because they while they retained and a, a company can consider them as a retained customer actually they are a terrorist of note um in that they they are there begrudgingly and um will do the the reputation of that firm harm um but yeah they they're hard to move if they if they if it isn't if it's too difficult for them to uh, let go and of, someday of conveniences and someday someone will create a way for them to break free and they will be mm -hmm. so excited with the freedom given. Now, granted, there's normally so much product saturation in the financial service yeah. industry. It's really the, the, the change pain is high. But, you know, in the United States, we have a fintech called Dave, right? We have a, you know, a, this streamlined service provider of financial services named Dave. Um, what I speak to on that is just this, whole mind shift from these gravitas institutions of banking that were so much a part of the infrastructure of the US. There's mm -hmm. always something lurking. So be careful mm -hmm. that just because they're a customer doesn't mean they're mm -hmm. All right, enough of that. We thank you so much for that question. Again, if you want to know more, go to brilliancecx.com. She will make you look brilliant, which in my case is a particularly big challenge. All right, so here's the lightning round. I promised you that. Anything else you want to say before we go to lightning round? Anything else other than come and check check out the website and and drop you a line? I think the, the chief thing is if you want to improve your customer retention, let's chat. If you're wanting to improve your customer complaints or the way that you manage customer complaints, let's chat. Um, and if you want, if you have a complaints management system that you're wanting to improve or need to to replace, um, let's let's chat. Reach out. All right, we got the chat. Way to do that. Just go to Brilliance CX. Um, all right. So uh, let me let me take that out. We're going to do the kind of lightning round. I warned you about it. Just some things to know you. Tell me about Waverly Girls High School. <laughs> that was the uh, last school I attended. Uh, I switched to the, the very last year, which was uh, not advisable. I wouldn't encourage uh, people to, to change schooling in their final year. But I did. And uh, it was it, uh, yeah, I, I left all my friends behind at the previous school, so it was uh, quite a journey. But no, I, I tried to I check them it. out. I think they don't exist anymore, right? Did it close? Did Waverly close, or did I choose the wrong Waverly? <laughs> I haven't a clue. I don't well, know. I if check it out because I thought I looked up Waverly Girls High School, and it looks like their website is no longer available because it hasn't been paid for or something. Uh, which, if it were true, would be would be something we have in common because my high school no longer exists. All right. Where does the nickname Birdie come from? 
Ah, my father calls me birdie. Um, why? I'm not too sure. Maybe because I was forever chirpy. Um, he's never quite explained that one, but I, I'm still birdie to this day for my All dad. Right. So birdie would be something that would have been referenced by someone who looks like this. There he is. Yes, my dad. And he, he lives across the pond or so from y'all, yep. right? And so COVID makes it challenging for families. Uh, but what I love, can I just say this on his uh, Facebook site, I saw that this was the picture he shares. I mean, I think that is so cool to an adult daughter, dad adult daughter picture as, as the primary picture on his profile. Just saying, it's my thing. Speaking of people who share pictures of you on their profile, let me go to, I gotta go find it over here. Hold on. Uh, it's right there. Okay. So who's that? That, uh, believe it or not, is my gorgeous mother. Uh, some would say my sister, but actually uh, my uh, absolutely stunning mom. So I'll, I'll talk about your husband in a little bit, but he must have seen your mom and said, well, this is going to be work out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's hope let's, so. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I guess age and gravity affect us all, right? I mean, it, uh, God knows. So I, I try to join you every once in a while, but now I'm in the picture. Uh, so this is the sunrise or sunset over South African beaches, right? You want to talk a little bit about what that means uh, to you? That is uh, one of my, I, I love taking photographs of the sky, um, sunset, sunrise. This is a sunrise uh, from the previous house we, we, we uh, owned. And um, I had the privilege of getting that view every morning, um, particularly in, in wintertime when, when the sun uh, rose a bit later and I was awake to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's one right. of my, my favorite so shots. Two more quick questions. Uh, this one I happen to know very well. I am so excited that I have gotten to know uh, who's in this picture. Um, and there he is. Yes, yes, that's my man. <laughs> <laughs> He's fairly hunky, you know, he really is. I just got to say that about him. And I would I say so. Yeah, yeah, I don't typically make that description of guys, but he's such a brilliant man and such a kind guy. Warren yes. is amazing. So you did, uh, you did good too. I must say, Thanks. you did okay. Thanks. All right. Privilege. Uh, and the last thing, and this isn't really, this is something from actually my uh, journey to South Africa, but it just, the power of the bush. Uh, just talk to me about <laughs> what the bush means to you, and, uh, and we'll end on that note besides telling people to join us at your website. Right. Ah, and you know me well enough to know that the, the, the bush and nature is absolutely dear to my heart. Uh, I, I totally love spending time in nature, uh, seeing animals in their natural state, um, even just seeing birds and trees. Uh, it's just uh, it's it puts me in my element. I think it, there's such a peace, such a serenity, uh, well, such an appreciation. Say again? What, uh, you you help us all appreciate this. I'm going to get this, this this animal out of my head. Um, yeah, you help us all. I think appreciate what's happening around us to leverage the voices of nature, the voices that are naturally occurring in our business. I can't I can't thank you enough for joining us at this late hour in South Africa. Please 
uh, reciprocating kind folks. Go to brilliantcx.com, check Thank it you. out, see if it's, there's not a solution for you there as well. All right, that's the end of the show for today. Let me give you a preview for next week. We'll have Micah Solomon, the great Micah Solomon, who wrote, Ignore Your Customers. And of course, they'll go somewhere else. Chris Racinos, who's in my book, Stronger Through Adversity. She was in the front lines at a major hospital in Los Angeles on the COVID unit. We're going to talk about how do you have extreme adversity. She's had some personal experiences in her life that have just been devastating. And she keeps coming back and helps us all spirit. Uh, and then on the 6th of next month, we will have Rebecca Heist. Dr. Heist is a biologist who really wants to help us leverage kind of our natural instincts for our own personal growth and development and for life success. So we'll take all of that coming at you soon. If you like today's show, here's what I would ask you to do. Please share it with somebody. Let, let the brilliance of Samantha be known unto the planet. So I would encourage you to do that. And uh, also I'm going to start asking folks to, to just drop me a line. If A, you wanna be on our newsletter list, drop me a line and let us know that. And then we, we only do a newsletter once a month, so we're not going to bombard you with great content uh, on that. And then also, if you let me know one specific thing, how are you coming through this pandemic stronger through the adversity of it? I'm going to select someone who gives me their answers. I'll be sharing those answers in various forms. But if you share your answer and we select it, we will be giving you one of our many books. Maybe it's Stronger Through Adversity. Maybe it's it's uh, the Airbnb way. One of those books. We'll get something out to you in response. Uh, I want to thank you all for participating um, on the show today. And please, again, share this with someone that you think might benefit from managing their complaints more effectively. All right. We'll catch you next week on, on this. Joseph Michelli Live Stream.